right, again, thank you all for coming. We're going to talk about um, OM. We've all heard about OM, right? Everybody in Tucson's heard of OM. Uh, boy, it really got popular all of a sudden. For a while there, you know, back in the 70s, we were the only ones, it seemed like, that knew anything about OM. But then all of a sudden, it seems like we turned around and everybody's chanting OM. Om, Om this, Om that. In Austin, there's a group of, uh, of people who, who get together, many hundreds of folks, very nice people, and they're trying to friendly, have a friendly protest, and they go to the state capitol, and they, they have what they call the Om the Dome. You know, the state capitol has a dome, so they go inside, they, they allow them to go inside, everybody fills up, and the devotees go, we have kirtan, and, but then all these people want to own the dome. You know, they want to own together. So, uh, what does this own mean? Anybody want to uh, venture a, a guess, or does anybody know what's your conception? What is this own that we hear so much about? Yes? Um, I may be incorrect. Uh, no, the, no. the frequency of like essential being, absolute being, the sound of the universe. Yeah, that's uh, that doesn't sum it all up. Doesn't sum it all. But up. that's that's very good. It's kind of like, uh, well, you could say a summons, calling together the energy uh, of the supreme. You see, so. Uh, Hold that thought. We're going to read a verse, and then we'll go into that. All right? We'll, we'll take it a little further. I'm going to read the eighth verse of the seventh chapter of the Srimad Bhagavad, uh, Bhagavad Gita. And Krishna tells us what Om is. And then Srila Prabhupada will explain on it, expand on it. After I read this, uh, then if you've got a question or a comment, Stop at any time. This is not, I repeat, not a lecture. This is a discussion. So I want to get you thinking and I'm interested in your thoughts, okay? So Krishna says in the 8th verse of the 7th chapter, the uh, title of this chapter is Knowledge of the Absolute. Krishna says, Rasoham apsukhandeya prabhamsi sashi surya yo." What is he saying here? O oh, son of Kunti, Krishna is talking to Arjuna. I am the taste of water, the light and the sun of the moon, the syllable Om in the Vedic mantras. I am the sound in ether and ability in man. So the Supreme Godhead is saying some of the things that he is. He's saying he is this syllable Om. So Om is him and he is Om. So Srila Prabhupada says in the purport, this verse explains how the Lord is all pervasive in his divine material and spiritual energies. The Supreme Lord can be preliminarily perceived by his different energies, and in this way he is realized impersonally. As the demigod in the sun is a person and is perceived by his all-pervading energy, the sunshine, 
So the Lord, although in his eternal abode, is perceived by all pervading diffusive energies. The taste of water is the active principle of water. No one likes to drink seawater because the pure taste of water is mixed with salt. Attraction for water depends on the purity of the taste, and this pure taste is one of the energies of the Lord. This is a very important point that Prabhupada makes. The impersonalist perceives the presence of the Lord in water by its taste. And the personalist also glorifies, and the personalist also glorifies the Lord for his kindly supplying tasty water to quench man's thirst. Now I'm going to pause for just a moment and talk about that. In, uh, an impersonalist, let me define this, there's a difference between a personalist and an impersonalist. The impersonalist believe that God, the Supreme, is basically the all-pervasive universal energy. You see, no face, no form, you know, no hand that you can hold, no face that you could kiss or see, just energy. No personality, you see. The personalist believes that God not only has a personality, but the supreme personality, and not only is he a person, but he's the supreme person, you see. So, uh, for something to create, it has to have a plan. If it has a plan, it must have a mind. If it has a mind, it has a personality. So, you see where I'm going. Uh, the personalist thanks the, the personality of Krishna for the water. You see, the impersonalist may say, oh, this taste is God. The impersonal is, is appearing here, you see. But the personalist says, thank you, my Lord, for this sweet taste that, you, that you've given me of this wonderful water. So, that is the way of perceiving the Supreme. Practically speaking, there is no conflict between personalism and impersonalism. One who knows God knows that the impersonal conception and the personal conception are simultaneously present in everything and that there is no contradiction. Therefore, Lord Chaitanya established his sublime doctrine, Achintya Beta Beta and Abeda Tattva, simultaneous oneness and difference. Uh, God being God can be simultaneously one thing and another at the same time. You see, in, in, in this world we say, you know, what are you? You're either this or that. Are you, you know, are you a Republican or a Democrat? You know, <laughs> you know, make a choice. Well, Krishna doesn't have to make a choice. He is all the above and more, you see. So you can't nail him down to just being one thing. The light of the sun and the moon is also originally emanating from the Brahma Jyoti, which is the impersonal effulgence of the Lord. And Pranava, or the uh, Omkara, transcendental sound in the beginning of every Vedic hymn, addresses the Supreme Lord because the impersonalists are very much afraid of addressing the Supreme Lord Krishna by his innumerable names. They prefer to vibrate the transcendental sound Omkara. 
But they do not realize that Omkara is the sound representation of Krishna. The jurisdiction of Krishna consciousness extends everywhere, and no one, excuse me, and one who knows Krishna consciousness is blessed. Those who do not know Krishna are an illusion, and so knowledge of Krishna is liberation, and ignorance of him is bondage. Once again, the verse. O son of Kunti, I am the taste of water, the light of the sun and the moon, the syllable Om in Vedic mantras. I am the sound in ether, and ability in man. Om Shalakaya Chakshur Unmilitam Jena Tasmai Sri Gurve Namaha. So, I just used Om the way we use it. I say we, the personalist. We don't use Om by itself. You see, we don't. Um, it's just like, uh, what, what is your name, sir? Nima. Nima. So, so, oh, you're friends with Carrie. Oh. And Jane. Ah. Thank you so much for coming. So, if I were to say, uh, Nima, <coughs> what would you say? What? <laughs> and then I say, Nima! Yeah, it wouldn't make any sense. You're like, hello? Yeah. <laughs> and then I say, Nima! And then you say, I've had enough of this. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to be patient with this guy, you know. So, uh, if you call out, uh, basically you could translate Om into English, which would mean, Oh my Lord! And he says, Yeah? You've got my attention. Oh my Lord! You see, when I'm, you, you see where I'm going with this. But I say, <coughs> Om Agyantamarindasya. So I'm, I'm saying, Oh my Lord, I want to talk to you about my Guru. Oh my Lord, I was born in the darkness of ignorance, but my spiritual master opened my eyes with the torchlight of knowledge. Therefore, I offer my respectful obeisances unto him. Now that's how we use Om. Or, Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om, Oh my Lord uh, Namo Obeisances unto you Bhagavate, Bhagavan One who has all opulences Vasudev The son of uh, uh, not, uh, of uh, Vasudev <coughs> yeah. Well what do we do What does it mean when we do it in yoga Just you know with a long breath what? It helps, but it's nice to follow it with something. It's always the beginning. Typically, it's found in the beginning of the Vedic mantras. You see. Now, it's kind of okay by itself, but it's kind of like once you get his attention, once you summon the energy of the Lord, then, you know, it's nice to go somewhere with it. It lasts like, you know, Om, you know, I think you're a nice guy, you know, <laughs> or I really like you a lot. Thank you for allowing me to be here. Thank you for giving me some uh, potency, 
you know, to do this yoga. You see what I mean? So, uh, we, we have a tendency to be a little impersonal in this material world because we're not really looking uh, so much for a, a direct relationship with the Supreme. We have so many other things to do. Like, I, I'm looking so much to please myself. I have so many uh, chores to do, you see. So, what I'm looking for, uh, and also because in my liberated stage, I had an association with the Supreme Lord, but I wanted to see what was better. I wanted to see if there was anything better than the Supreme. So he asked me to come here to this material world. And all of us, we had the same experience. So that I can search for something better than him. So we're looking for enjoyment, you see. But we're not looking for enjoyment uh, by going to God for it. He's the source of everything. So we want to enjoy. We want to be happy. I want pleasure. I want bliss. You see, that's my nature as a living entity, to be blissful. But I'm looking for it <clears throat> in so many different places other than going to Him and realizing you're the source of everything. You give happiness, you give uh, bliss, and you give peace. And you give all these things that I'm looking for. So therefore, I should be taking shelter of you, you see. <clears throat> I keep thinking that if I buy something new or if I get some, do something exciting or whatever, if I go on a really great vacation, I'll get some enjoyment. And there may be some enjoyment, but it doesn't really do for me what I intended for it to do. It doesn't really go right to the soul. So for an, I am a soul, so... I have to, uh, and to enjoy, I have to enjoy on the soul level. And for that, we need to approach the Supreme Lord, you see. Now, what do we do? We approach Him. You see, we can chant Om. Okay, now we have His attention. So now, let's say we can approach Him when we get close to Him. What do we do to get closer and closer? We have to offer Him the only thing that He really wants. He doesn't need anything. He's complete. Uh, God is the complete whole. He's not missing anything. Okay. Does everybody believe that that uh, God is uh, unlimited? God's unlimited. All right. If God is unlimited, we can't put any limits on Him. Which means God uh, being unlimited is not lacking anything. That that's unlimited has everything. So he has to have form. If he didn't have form, he would be missing something. If he didn't have a personality, he would be missing something. You see? But he's complete. He also has to be unmanifest. But at the same time, he's unmanifest and manifest. So those who feel like I don't know if I really want to approach this supreme person. I want his energy, though. So I'd rather chant some own and, and maybe have an impersonal relationship with him, you see. And I even want to not only do that all through my life, but when I become liberated, I want to become one with his energy in the, in the Brahma Jyoti, you see. I want his energy, but I don't want him. 
you see. What is, uh, what's wrong with allowing God, in my mind, uh, to have a personality? Why do some people not like that? You know, there are many people, you know, I would say, well, the statistics are staggering on how many people believe that God is energy. Some people say, well, he's the spirit of love. You know? You know, if you said, if you're introducing your husband or your wife, you know, uh, or you're talking about your husband or your wife, and you say, yeah, my husband is the spirit of love. You know? That's why he's not here, because he's not present. You know, he's not manifest. He's the spirit of love. You know? Oh, so you're having a relationship with the spirit of love. Okay. That's going to be a large family. <laughs> you see what I mean? So some people don't want to have uh, or haven't even considered having a, a really up-close and personal relationship with the most beautiful, the most attractive, the most lovable God, you see. So they kind of keep him at arm's length. I want his energy. And I'll ask him for help and give me this and give me that, you see. But I don't want him to have a personality because if he has a personality, he may start asking me for stuff. You know? I mean, he is, after all, he is supreme. So, you know, if somebody is a few levels above you, they may ask you to do something. You know, or you feel like you should do something for them. You know, if President Obama came here, we would want to do things for him. You know, can we get you a nice seat, some water, or something to eat? Could you lower our taxes? No. no. <laughs> can we pay you more taxes? But we would, you know, maybe Obama's not a good example. Okay, somebody really re you really respect. <laughs> but you would want to offer, you know, some respect. But if I wanted to... If I want all the respect, then I don't want that personality, that supreme personality, you see. I want the energy of that supreme personality because the energy is not going to ask me to do anything. Especially it's not going to ask me to do something I don't want to do. See, that's kind of the rub between most of us and, and uh, associating directly with God, you know. What if he asked me, if I surrender to him, Oh, my dear Lord, I'll do anything you want. You see? Oh, God, I hope he doesn't ask me to do something I don't want to do. No. See, see what I mean? What if he asked me to do what I don't want to do? Well, that's not surrender. And if we, if we can um, perfect our love, our ability to love him enough, we will lose the... Uh, the um, uh, hesitance to do anything for him. When you when you really love somebody, it's like a mother. When a when a mother loves a child, is there anything you wouldn't do for your child? I mean, come on. You know that, isn't it true, Carrie? Your parents would do anything for you. I mean, you know, anything. So it's like that. When there's love present then you'll do anything. But we don't have enough love for him, so we don't want to approach him, but we certainly want to utilize his energy. Does that make any sense? 
So therefore, instead of Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya, I, I chant Om, and then I praise him, his beauty, his, his kindness, his love, you see. I just say Om, you know. Yes, please. The difference between the Hare and Om. Oh, yeah, that's a very good question. Hare? Mm -hmm. Hare is, uh, uh, Hare by itself is, is pronounced Hara. Hara is addressing Krishna's feminine energy, Radha. We have Radha and Krishna, you see. Krishna is complete, remember? He's not, he has everything. So he's, he is male and female. He has male and female energy. His female energy is Radha. And uh, uh, and this will explain a lot. His female energy pretty much controls everything. So you can understand why it, it works that way with us too, you see. <laughs> uh, so to approach Krishna, that's why we say Hare Krishna. To approach Krishna, you have to go through her. You have to get her blessing first. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Oh, divine energy of Krishna. So I'm praying to that feminine energy of Krishna. You say, please grant me loving devotional service to Krishna. You see. Did you so this uh, Hare Krishna means uh, this is complete for the Krishna's Radha and Krishna. Yes. And Om only for Krishna. Yes. Om only for um, only for only his for energy. Single. Only for single person. Yeah. 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 And only for his energy. Unless you follow it with something. <laughs> it's like you Om is to get his attention and to attract his energy and then you may follow it with something else. Oh, dear Krishna, I love you so much and I just want to be your humble servant. Rather than just saying, Oh, Krishna. You see what I mean? In other words, it's, it, to complete it is up to you. You follow it with something rather than just wanting the energy, which is okay. Just chanting Aum is okay. It's not first class because there's so much further beyond Aum that you can go. You see? Because Aum is the threshold to having a relationship, a, a direct relationship with Krishna. It's, it's, the, uh, uh, it's the doorway, the entrance to it. So what I'm saying is don't stop at the doorway. You see, go on, go on through. There's so much that we can experience on the other side. But if, if we're not ready, that's okay. You're not damned and you're not going to go to hell or anything like that. You know, Krishna's not going to send fireballs down and burn down your house or anything like that. He's a patient fellow. He's, he, has, he has all the time in the world. As a matter of fact, he is time. Time I am, destroyer of worlds, Krishna says. So, you know, it's up to you. How long can we, the living entities, do without a loving relationship with him? You see? 
once we advance in spiritual uh, consciousness, we start to realize, I can't do very long, I can't go very much longer without having a loving relationship with this supreme, lovable object, you see. If love is important in our lives, then we have to approach the most lovable, the reservoir, the source of love, you see. Otherwise, we're never going to be fulfilled if it's important to us, and it's important to everybody, you see. Even bad guys want love. Adolf Hitler was in love. He thought that Eva Braun was everything, you see. All these bad guys we've heard about, Joseph Stalin, you know, he was a married guy, he loved his wife. I mean, they did silly things, but, you know, they didn't feel complete without love. That's very common. So we can see that the most attractive uh, potency is love. And to get uh, access to the supreme lover, to, to the supreme love, we have to go through the personality of Krishna. Now, God has innumerable personalities, but those personalities are different for different reasons. You can associate with him uh, and get a different result. If you want to offer awe and reverence, then there's a, there are personalities that he has that you can offer your awe and reverence to. But if you want to go uh, put your arm around him, you have to approach Krishna. You see, therefore Krishna says, I am the supreme personality of Godhead. Because I am the, uh, through me you can access my love, you can exchange love. We've got time for maybe one real quick question. Yes. Why isn't Om in the Hare Krishna mantra? Why isn't it? Because we're going to go directly to Radharani. You see, we've been allowed by Lord Chaitanya to do that, you see. Uh, instead of going through the energy, you go right to Krishna, through Radharani. Hare Krishna, that means Radha and, and Krishna, right away. I thought it was in Rama. Huh? Rama. Rama, yeah, and Rama. It's in Rama. Yeah. Uh, is Om in Rama? Yeah. Uh, actually, yeah, no, I don't. I I've never heard that, but yeah, yeah. It feels like you know when we say Hare, um, we're saying you know, but Sri Radharani, we want Krishna. <laughs> but at the same time, since Krishna is both male and female, and should our object be both Radha and Krishna, or just simply focusing on Krishna gives you Radha and both, or is it just? Well, we should approach Radha. You know, we should approach Radharani. You see, actually, we go through the spiritual master, through the guru. He will hook you up with uh, with Radha and Krishna. You see, but you need to please Radharani. We want to become her, her servant. We want to become the servant of the servant, of the servant, of the servant, of the servant. You see, so to serve Shrimati Radharani, we beg her. Oh, my my dear. Srimati Radharani, please give me loving devotional service to our Lord Krishna. You see. And if you're sincere, 
Radharani will say, oh, of course. She wants to engage everybody in Krishna's service. So living Krishna is just as equal as loving her. Yeah, 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 yeah. You can't really separate the two. They are simultaneously one and different. Okay. All right, so uh, that's it. Uh,